0: Out there in the podcast land This is Lisa Kapala of WCTV Along with my faithful host and companion Brad McKenna Right, And we have a very exciting guest For you today We have Tina Stewart She is the library director for the Wilmington Library Tina Hello. Hi, I'm so glad you're here. This is going to be really fun. So obviously, if you guys have been listening, which we hope you have, uh, (laughs) you know that this program is about kind of talking about the gap in technology, where you started from, where you're going to, how to get there. And so we thought it might be interesting to have Tina talk a little bit about how um, the technology of today has impacted the library, but also the balance for Tina since you've been with the library since what year? 1974. Yeah, so a few, dating myself. T- a few <laughs> technology changes, uh, yes. oh. you know, seriously from now to then. So, Tina, tell us about what the library was like when you initially came
1: there, if you can remember back then. Oh, yes, I can remember. Mm-hmm. We had uh, the card catalog was the main way people found the books that they needed. And the uh, we had a reference collection, a uh, fairly l- large reference collection. So we were the only game in town. People came to the library to get their questions answered. If you know, didn't know the capital of Alaska and you didn't have an almanac or an encyclopedia like at home, you came to the library. There was no Google. Right. And so <laughs> that's the, you know, we really were the main uh Information source for the town.
0: And I remember we used to call the library actually. Oh, yes, reference questions. Absolutely. So, like, we would be working on a project and we would just get on the phone and call the Tuxbury. I'm from Tuxbury. And we would just <laughs> call the library and we would ask them and they would give us the answer. It was great, it was instant gratification. We also bought the lovely Britannica encyclopedia set, too, so that we could have access to that. So when did you notice a shift? We're now talking about 1974. When did you really start to see the shift in technology change in the library?
1: The first, I get the major shift happened for the Wilmington Library in 1987 when the library joined the Merrimack Valley Library Consortium. Right. So that opened up the access uh, to more than 30 libraries in the Merrimack Valley, and now they People could not only find out what the Wilmington Library had, but what all these other libraries had.
0: So let me jump back to 1985. Yes. So you know this is coming. Yes. You're hearing about it, obviously, years before. Mm -hmm. I would imagine it took some planning strategically for the library to figure out how they were going to implement this system. So what did you have to do to prepare to include the consortium in your system?
1: I wasn't director at the time, but it did include a, a budget item at the town meeting. It was a fairly, at that time, substantial uh, commitment by the town to join the uh, library consortium. We weren't the first. There are uh, uh, Andover and there were a few other libraries in the Merrimack Valley that began the Merrimack right. Valley Library Consortium. And every year, more, a few more libraries would join. Now there's approximately 36 libraries in the network. But the, just to be clear, uh, access is not only to the Merrimack Valley that, that the, we have today. We have access to uh, to the whole world of of cl- uh, library collections all over. The state and right. all over the country, so but that be, that began the access, but it did take a a budget item to ta- a town meeting to uh, uh, accept you know the budget amount uh, that it t- uh, for the library to join the Merrimack Valley. So that took some planning uh, ahead. Okay, uh, but those that was a major change. Before that, uh, I mean we we really moved uh, from the. T- we didn't have a, a word, you know. From they were dumb terminals that first; it, they weren't computers, uh, and so we were still using, in some sense, typewriters. Right. But we before we came here, Brad and I were talking with one of our uh, other our library assistants who, at that time, had uh, come on part time. We hired five uh, employees part time for who had to enter all the items from the shelf list into the database uh so to before we can go live so to right. speak and
0: uh do you remember being nervous about it no absolutely excited not. Excited. excited yeah
1: so uh and i was actually oh, over I, I worked um on that project and it was overseeing the implementation at the time uh, i wasn't director but i did oversee the project with another librarian um supervising these part-time people making sure everything was coordinated and attending the meetings that you know to, to as we went forward to going live. So no it was it was an exciting time. I'm but, glad uh, you felt that yeah. way about it. But the, the other th- uh, changes I think just to point out uh, we didn't we had like LPs and now mm-hmm. you know we move from LPs to CDs and streaming now. So all uh, so you could look at the how the collection has changed in the at the library. Uh, we had um, cassette tapes and now they are mm-hmm. audiobooks and e-audiobooks right. so those so you are seeing you know sort of uh, the the kinds of things that the library had in 1974, uh, 87 and 2017 uh, are, have changed in terms of the technology that we're offering as a service right. So it's kind of technology has given people more access to information, but it's also how the library's collection has changed.
0: Right. So you're a technology embracer as a person. Oh, And that's great. That's great. I
1: think being in the field has kept me a technology embracer. Yeah, I
0: think think you almost have to be an embracer of technology to do what you guys do. It makes me anxious, actually, and that's why I'm glad to have Brad, and that's why we do this show, because I think there is some trepidation for Mm -hmm. some folks about Mm -hmm. how do I – Acclimate myself. What's going to happen to what I've always been used mm-hmm. to? Because there's that comfort level with mm-hmm. what you're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. So, how do you find in the library? Some of the senior population has adapted to the technology changes, and I know Brad has helped with that. But what have you seen in the trenches with the adaptation of now the library is different than it was when I came when I was in my 30s and 40s.
2: Well,
1: now people have. It's interesting because as we transition, many people would come in and they'd look around and it's ask, "Where's the card catalog?" Right. And I think that I, don't, I haven't heard that in, in a while. So I think that arc, I think you've sort of seen that sort of – So that's gone. That's gone. Okay. And I think Brad could probably speak a little – because he, he is terrific in, in his uh, assistance with, with, the, uh, with, all, with the senior demographic yes. and uh, in helping them become more comfortable with technology uh, as far as the patrons go. I think the staff, um, there is definitely a difference in the people of Brad's generation uh, that are on my staff and people who are my generation on right. the staff. It's more natural for them. Uh, it's more intuitive and uh, we're happy to have that mix because we can look to not only Brad but we have other staff that are uh, have grown up with it right and it's nice to have that and I've learned so much from them right and I think that's why I'm so com- I'm more comfortable because I have them. Right there. Isn't that nice? Right Just there. The, 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 Head little, holding. the little
0: walking encyclopedias. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Brad, how has uh, Wilmington's senior population embraced the technology change in the library, do you think? And in the world, too, because you're actually dealing with both when you have yeah. your clients will call.
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty well. I think that, I um, guess, uh, dovetailing what Tina was saying about the collection is they're coming to see tech help as a service that the library provides. So, like, they'll come in with their devices or they'll come in for advice or they'll come in with a specific technology technology problem and we I'm still doing what librarians have traditionally done is I'm not giving them the answer. I'm showing them how I get the answer. Uh-huh. And that way, they don't need me. I mean, it's kind of, you know... Planned <laughs> kind of Ironic, yeah. right? You know, it's like my ultimate goal. So I'm doing my job right. These people don't need me. Yes. And there's always going to be something because technology changes so quickly that, you know, I'm secure. I'm okay. Right. right. Um, and teach me to right. fish, though. Exactly. Is, is exactly. So you get a lot of that. You get the like, trepidation, of course. You get... Uh, I get a lot of people that like feel like they should know more and I, I that's half of my job is getting them to stop thinking that way is figuring out letting them know that I struggle too with the changes it's just natural because change is scary and, and it's not always going to be intuitive and because technology is so diverse it's it could be anything the way they put the way they word something where they put a button and so I try to tell them like don't worry about it i mean just just do what you can do and then learn from what you make what mistakes you make.
0: Right. And I feel like every time I get used to how a <laughs> website is set up, yeah. they change it. And they, they say do. we've enhanced it for you and I want to say not <laughs> no. <laughs> really. Could you just leave it the way it is? Yeah. Thank you. I know Tina, do you feel that way sometimes so you're you, you're in technology all day long mm-hmm. when you're at work? What do you use at home that's different now than you used before? And how did you graduate to Kind of moving from maybe you must have had a small terminal at home. We had the huge HP Mm -hmm. monster that took up a whole desk and it needed its (laughs) own fan because it was so hot. We started with that. So, what did your family begin with technology wise? Do you remember anything you used early on? I
1: can remember getting our first uh, VHS, (laughs) and we went to the video store. I thought that was big. That is big. And then we had a Mac computer. I think, and then we went to a wow uh, a Mac. Mac. But uh, and then we went to the Windows. I, I think I'm just going through thinking back. Yeah, we, we had we, we kind of followed along with what was popular at the right. time, and just upgraded when there was something new coming out. Uh, we have um, we have a P, right now. I have a, a PC at home. We mm-hmm. have a laptop, and I I love my iPad. Uh, yeah. my, and a lot of people have notebooks or iPads. I like to travel with it. In fact, it's interesting. We um, my husband likes to read the newspaper in the morning on the iPad because he can enlarge the print. Hey, and it's yeah. He prefers that out. to the print newspaper. So, and it's it's great to you know read the Globe every morning. It's, you don't have to go out in the cold and get it. You just <laughs> turn on your iPad. Right. So that has trend And plus, I, when I bought, of course, the smartphone is was a big change for me. I yes, mean, me I remember too. when we took our flip phones into. Uh, Radio Shack, and said we would like to buy a smartphone. The young man looked at us. he said you still have one of those. Mm-hmm. No, uh, I still have one myself. Itself. I don't use it. Yeah, so that was a big thing. But that was a learn. I think I learned a lot by owning a smartphone. I came familiar, and that helped me in the library. As people, you know, would come in, and you know, I think the debt more and more people now are ha- have smartphones. Right, uh, and I think there, were, there was a transition from people giving up their flip phone. Uh, and some people still have them, like you, and that's okay. But I think it's been helpful for me to learn the technology myself, because right. uh, so many of our services now people can use their phones for. Mm-hmm. They can. We have apps for you know our, so many of our downloadable services. So when people ask about it, having my own phone helps me at least understand what they are asking to help them. So that has been helpful. Okay.
0: Let me ask you your opinion on what I call the snowball of, te- of technology. Mm-hmm. You said 1974. You came. And then in 86 or so, Mm -hmm. you entered the consortium. Have you noticed an exponential growth of technology like a snowball? Like you went from 74 to 86 with pretty much not really much of a change. Then boom, 1986 hits. Talk a little bit about your experience with the feeling of that.
1: Yeah, it's much faster now. uh, And things are changing a lot quicker. Uh, There was, uh, you know, things didn't change like that first maybe, you know, 10 years that I was at the library. Same, no change. And then... You know, they went from dumb terminals. Then they were, then we had the computers uh, at the library. and Then we had the internet. I mean, the internet became that was another milestone. I mean, we had the dumb terminals, but we weren't connected really to the uh, the World Wide Web uh, right, as it right. was called when it began.
2: Right. And
1: uh, and then we had, then you know, we went to Google search, and you know, uh, and so all of those began to come faster and faster and faster. And uh, it is. It does change quickly. And I think the challenge, I've just been very lucky. The challenge for me is being in the workforce, being at a library where learning um, is part of what we do and helping people is part of what we do. So when you know you have to help somebody and you're making sure your staff is trained to help people has, has helped me personally keep up with it.
0: Right. You almost
1: have no choice, really. No choice. You have and to either move
0: with the tide or mm-hmm. get left behind,
1: kind yeah. of. And we try to make sure our staff have opportunities mm-hmm. to go to uh, have continuing education. Uh, Brad has gone to conferences, computers, and libraries. He was at the American Library Association. So we all want to give him the opportunity to see what's happening in the field. What are the trends in, in computers and libraries? Uh, and for the staff, we, we transition to a new ILS, a Integrated Library System in May, which was a little painful because it was a it was big. We all had to learn a new system of uh, you know a circulation and cataloging, and it um, it was a little rocky. But the staff, you know, they're troopers and they know that this is we're moving forward in it with a better system and that can serve the public better. So. Right.
0: And I think, we, you know, like I said earlier, you both are technology embracers. I'm trying to get to that other side of the divide Mm -hmm. to be more embracing Mm -hmm. of it. But I do feel overwhelmed by this constant change. Could I just get used to it for five seconds, really? It just feels like it's moving so, so quickly. And I'm not sure that's good. What do you say to folks that say we don't really need a library now because Mm -hmm. we have all of this technology that you –
1: told us about. I'm glad you asked it because it's a million dollar question. Yeah, I know a lot of of people in the the audience are probably have that same question. Right. And we do get that. Um, I think there's a couple ways to answer. The first is that the library has changed from the library, um, your grandma's library. And so we are a community space. Right. So many people come with their laptops a place to come and just for quiet study. We are placing our know, obviously with we do uh, a lot more programs, community programs. People come for book discussions, people come to learn for lectures for uh, foreign affairs discussions. So, I think we're a community place and not just about um, you know, finding information but about people connecting people with each other. You're the bridge to the divide, yeah. really. You and, really are. And then there's the other side is that I other thing I was chatting with Brad on the way here is that the internet uh, is a wonderful Resource. I mean, there's uh, lots of great information, but there's lots of bad information, wrong information, on the. And I think our job is to you know caution people, and to uh, learn how to be good consumers of information, and not to uh, take uh, everything they see on the internet as true. Right. And I think the library plays an important role in, in in helping people do that. Right. Don't you think, too, it's important
0: to have the skills that back up the knowledge we're using? By that, I mean the youth of today. I love them all. They're wonderful. But they uh, know how to use these devices without the original knowledge to back it up. Do mm-hmm. they actually know how to use a paper dictionary and look something mm-hmm. up? Because, my friends, someday the Internet might go down. Mm-hmm. You might actually need to know how to do some of these things. So I kind of feel like it's important to have the skill
1: That came before the new knowledge, and I feel like that's a missing piece. I think you make a good point. I'll give you an example. I was um, we were traveling uh, to uh, New Hampshire, and uh, was using my iPhone Mm -hmm. uh, to get there, and I lost the signal. You have to know how to use a map, right? (laughs) And a lot of people just Google it. Uh, Yeah, or or, you know, it could take you you know a cool place you don't (laughs) really want to go. It might take you to the shortest route, but may not be the best route. So I think, you know, the use of maps too uh, is important. So it
0: just does another... So I don't like to really, Mm -hmm. I don't like to put any kind of knowledge away and say, like the card catalog, I actually missed that. I was Mm -hmm. smiling when she said that because I liked the look of it. I liked the actual uh, physical kinetic feeling of moving and Mm -hmm. looking for it myself. I enjoyed all that. Then when we went to typing stuff in in a terminal and finding it that way, that was fun too. But now it's even faster than that. Mm -hmm. I just come in and it's and already you can do there. It, you can I can it order it home. at home and yeah. pick it up like groceries, you know. <laughs> what other technology things do you think are going to be moving forward that the library is going to embrace and share with the community? What's coming up in the future, do you think? Anything good, new, exciting? Well, you just did this new thing that you were talking about. What did you say? You all had to
1: learn the new system. What oh, the new that? system. Yeah. yeah that's,
0: tell us about that really a little more, about what that really is.
1: It's really the back it's, – it's the back uh, – uh, bone of the library, how we do our job uh, in terms of uh, getting the uh, books to, to, and information to people. And it's how we share uh, with other libraries. okay. So that whole system, it's, it's the integrated library system, ILS. And we went from an open source system to a proprietary system. And what's the difference between the those open source two? is uh, – I'm going to let Brad answer that question. <laughs> All right, Ben. Well,
2: yeah, open source is uh, uh, any kind of software that's – the code is freely available. So anybody who knows how to code can take this source and improve upon it. So with an open source, there's no proprietary information and no support. So there's no professional support, and so okay.
0: So that's what you were using before. We were
2: using yeah, uh, an open source product, and we had a. An MVLC uh, has the, It's not just a collection of libraries. There's an MVLC central site office where uh, we, there's a small staff that support the things that bring us together, uh, and we had a, a specialist with in that community that was working there, and he left, and I think he left when we were going to move anyway mm-hmm. but so now that we move to a proprietary system we have a company that is working with us in order to solve the bugs and improve the products and I, I guess I'll explain a little more about the ILS what so ILS is integrated library system and what the integrated part is is you have the OPAC right the online public access catalog which is the direct descendant of the library uh, li- the card catalog and then you have a history and personalization so within the uh, ILS you have a username your library card and you can request holds you can uh, make lists you can pay fines now stuff like that so it's more than we've moved away from even just a, a card catalog to an online catalog to everything at once so like the mm-hmm. con- you have all of the card catalogs in one place for each of the libraries okay so everything is that's where the integrated yeah. comes so, in
0: so if i could make an analogy it's kind of almost like the amazon for libraries, yeah. but without charging anything, because everything is pretty <laughs> much free, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think everything is still free. We'll knock on wood that it stays mm-hmm. that way. Uh, but so I would go there as a clearinghouse. Then I could go to that and I could reserve things. I could see what programs are there, and then I can come and pick everything up. So it makes it easier on your end, but also from the consumer's end.
2: Yeah, there's kind of direct interaction, so you don't need the librarian to look it up. You don't need to come into the library. You just make ser- make use of our services from home and do it. Of course, you would have to come and pick it up if it right. was a physical item. Right but you can do so much at any time, and that's really what's opened it up.
0: So the convenience factor. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You don't think the library's ever going to be obsolete, Tina? You think there will come a day when we'll just say, you know, we don't really need that space?
1: I hope not in my lifetime. <laughs> I don't think so.
0: I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think it's yeah. going to happen. I really yeah. don't. Yeah,
1: and I, I think that... as. It l- I will put a caveat. As long as libraries embrace the change and continue to stay relevant to their communities, and I think at our library we have. Yes. And I do think we're responding to the changes. We are listening to what the community needs. And if you uh, continue to kind of not do that or try to stay the library of the 20th century and not become a library of the 21st century, you, you're you're going to lose the support of your community. So right. I do think, you know, it's up to the, uh, the libraries to really embrace the change mm-hmm. And not only the change, but also, you know, what does your community really want and what do they need? So it's uh, that you have to continue to ask that question.
0: Right. And I think that's why the marketing aspect of libraries is so much different now than it was. And Mm -hmm. we'll get someone from your office to come in and talk about the marketing piece. But I think people just don't know the hidden Mm -hmm. values that are Mm -hmm. at the library. I think it's something we maybe have forgotten a little bit Mm -hmm. about where Mm -hmm. before it was your go to. So maybe there needs to be a little change in making sure everybody's aware Mm -hmm. how you are bridging the gap and how you are there to help. Help people to get to the other side of this divide because it's it's tough if you're mm-hmm. out there by yourself. So mm-hmm. the library is there to support you and help you, which is great. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's ever going to go. So
2: well. I got a good example of uh, Tina mentioned earlier that it's like a community center now, and right. it is it's been mentioned as the only, the last free public space. Um, And we have a program coming up in January, Girls Who Code, who is helping bridge the gender gap in the digital divide. And all that I'm doing is giving people a place to to have this class. And so people are furthering their knowledge and we're educating the next generation and... We're using the library as just a, a place instead of uh, a repository right, you're of You're the things. conduit for yeah. the change, which yeah. is great.
0: So, And I do think people probably aren't thinking of you that way, and, and this is part of why we're doing this program, to get mm-hmm. the word out that there are plenty of ways to bridge that gap, to feel relevant, to stay relevant, and also to move forward to whatever is next. Because mm-hmm. it seems like the library is on the cutting edge of whatever is going to be the up-and-coming thing. So... If we want to know, I think we should maybe talk to you guys a little more. Yeah. And now it's time for your technology tidbit, food for
2: thought. So we were talking uh, a lot about card catalogs, so I went and did some research. And the first large-scale online catalogs were developed first in Ohio State University in 1975 and then the Dallas Public Library in 1978. Um, so that's when the shift started. So, what do you do with the card catalogs that yeah, exist, physical card do? catalogs that exist? Well, the Melrose Public Library has a really good idea. They're using their card catalog for a seed library. Oh. So, you mm-hmm. can check out, I'm using air quotes because you can't see it, yep. um, packets of seeds. And so, you plant whatever. And then to, at the end of the season, you bring back seeds from what you planted. And so, it's self perpetuating. That is nippy. It's creative. Yeah, it's pretty good. I like
0: that. Well, I guess this brings us to the end of another exciting episode of Bridging the Digital Divide. Tina, this was your first podcast Ah, ever. Yes, I survived. Quite well. You survived another technology
1: milestone that (laughs) you have have
0: survived. Anything final you'd like to tell folks today about bridging this gap and how they maybe can feel a little more comfortable? Um,
1: I think... you know, I would hope people would view uh, the library as a place to go for, again, technology help. And we are a technology center for the town. Right. Uh, and not only do we you know, we have Brad's drop-in tech help, he, they can book a, a session uh, with Brad. Plus he uh, gives classes at the library. So there's a way, you know, that we feel that the library is a place to continue to bridge the digital divide. Right for anybody who wants to learn more, and that's whether you're a novice or even if you're tech savvy and you want to know some more. uh, We have tech lectures, so if you really want to get a little more advanced, uh, we have that as well, so I think we can help the beginner, and we can help even the advanced person learn more, so it's it's a place to go, but visit us if you haven't been there in a while.
0: And Brad, if folks are listening and they're not from Wilmington, which Sorry, you don't okay. live in this great town. We'll you, you have a companion page. We also. do, yes. So can you tell all folks these... a little bit about that? So if you happen to be sure. out of the area and you, you can't get by to visit us right away, you can look at Brad's companion page and that will help you.
2: Yep. So we at uh, willmlibrary.org slash BDD, Bridging the Digital Divide. I take the uh, cloud-hosted podcast that the WCTV posts on SoundCloud and collect all the uh, episodes so you can listen to it directly on the web page. And there's also uh, a spot for feedback. So if you have a question uh, about something we've talked about or maybe a topic that you'd like to see us cover, you can submit that form and it goes to me and uh, we will... We will check it out.
0: Right. And he's not really selling himself like he should be here. There's a lot on that companion page. There's not just, you know, a synopsis of what we've talked about. He actually goes into more detail about some of the key points of what we've discussed. So if you didn't get enough, you can get even more. (laughs) Further reading. By (laughs) by going to the companion page. Well, thank you, Tina and Brad. Always. Thank you. It was great to have you both. And uh, thank you guys for listening to Bridging the Digital Divide. I hope you're all getting across that bridge one step at a time. We will all get there eventually. And then as soon as we do, they'll move it. Right? Right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time, or we'll hear you next time, or you're here less next time on Bridging the Digital Divide.